Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Depression, uh, mental health, issues that are more and more talked about, and I think that's a very good thing, that we're not hiding from talking about mental health and, uh, and depression particularly, but how much do we understand about depression, what it is, what it isn't, and what we can do about it? Dr. Diane McIntosh is the author of This is Depression, a comprehensive, compassionate guide for anyone who wants to understand depression. Dr. McIntosh is a Vancouver-based psychiatrist and assistant professor at the University of British Columbia. She's highly respected in her uh, endeavors and by her peers. Good to talk to you, Dr. McIntosh. I've heard a lot about you, and uh, I've been looking forward to this interview. Oh, thanks very much for having me. Um, let's just focus straight in on, on the depression issue. Is it an increasing reality and concern or is depression something that's more openly discussed and approached, or is it a combination of the two? Well, I think it's both. And I, I think that the depression rate has been quite stable, actually, in Canada and the U.S. for a long time. And to some degree, we are talking more about it, especially young people are talking more about their experiences, uh, whether they have anxiety, whether they have depression. But I think the really sobering statistics that we just saw a few weeks ago are the increase in suicide rate that the Center for Disease Control, or CDC in the U.S., just came out with their inc- the rate between 2007 and 2017 increased 56% for 10 to 24-year-olds. So we know not everyone who commits suicide actually is depressed. Not everyone has a mental illness. But we know that depression is clearly correlated with suicide, and we're seeing incredible increases in Canada and the U.S. in completed suicides. Well, if you're talking 10 to 24-year-olds, and there's such a huge increase in suicides in that age group, um, why? I mean, what's, what's going on in their lives that, it, that is causing them to take such desperate acts? Well, when, when you look at the CDC doctors who have reviewed this, they're not really sure why we're seeing these numbers. I think that in the U.S., where the data comes from, there's certainly gun violence, access to weapons, uh, but there's also problems in both countries with uh, substance abuse. You know, I think we're going to look back at access to the Internet and scratch our heads and say, what were we thinking Mm -hmm. that we're giving six-year-olds enough computer to run a small country without knowing how it all works and how they're uh, interacting with their peers as they get older. And in the teenage years, I really think that that the Internet and social media plays a role in anxiety and depression that I'm seeing in my own practice. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because we have been talking about bullying, um, particularly, and um, the, the idea and the reality that kids can be bullied 24-7 now. It's not that you have to go to school and physically confront the bully or be in, be confronted by the bully. 
you're actually available to the bully if you're on social media 24 hours a day. And you're right. Uh, the, the, the smartphones that uh, six-year-olds six now have have more computing power than uh, Apollo 11 had when they took the astronauts to the moon. Exactly. And you, you can't get away w- from it if you are no. engaged in social media. And remember, people say terrible things when they're not connected personally to it. Yeah. And when you're young and your brain isn't fully formed, man, do people say and do ridiculous things that, you know, we all look back and regret how we behaved at that time. But now it's forever. It, uh, n- you're never going to get, get away from it because it's going to live forever on the Internet. So let me ask you then, back to the, the, the actual subject of depression. You write in the book that it's an inflammatory illness. Would you explain that, please? Sure. Well, inflammation, of course, is a normal process. It helps our body to and our immune system to heal and repair damaged tissues, fight off an invader like an infection. But inflammation can be abnormal and turn the body against itself. Anyone who has arthritis knows that because arthritis is an inflammatory disorder and our body is actually attacking ourselves. And when it comes to depression, when it becomes severe or, or is chronic, an inflammatory cascade is set up in your brain where the brain support cells, which are called glial cells, they're the ones that, that fuel the neurons that send the message, uh, messages around the body and keep the brain clean and tidy. They start to, or they stop doing their job, those glial cells. They start releasing chemicals, and that promotes inflammation. And over time, that inflammation can actually cause harm to or kill neurons, brain cells. And we can see that on brain scans of people who have chronic or severe depression, that a particular area of your brain called the hippocampus, you can see that there's brain cell damage and loss, a shrunken area of the hippocampus. That's a reflection of inflammation. If I go back 20, 25 years and, and think about programs that we aired at the time about depression, at the time, I heard a great deal about uh, depression being the result of insufficient serotonin in the brain. Is that old school now, uh, and are antidepressants the answer or part of the approach to dealing with depression? Can we start with the serotonin? Wow, that's, that's a big question. And serotonin, we know, is important uh, for the treatment of depression and for the onset of depression, but our brains are much more complicated than that. So if you have a severe depression, you usually require medication. You simply cannot yoga your way out of a depression. Uh, we know that lifestyle factors like a healthy diet, getting lots of sleep, exercise, yoga, mindfulness, faith, good sleep hygiene, all of those things can help to protect you. They're preventive factors for depression. But if you have a very severe depression, you need medication. And medications that we have now, what they do is target brain chemicals like serotonin and norepinephrine and help to normalize those. But ultimately, they don't just affect those chemicals, they actually affect that whole inflammatory story that I told you about. They increase brain chemicals that help to grow new brain cells. So we think of them as just being increased serotonin, that's all you need. But these are complex chemicals and the brain is a complex organ. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does aging play a role? We have an aging population in Canada. Well, uh, from a suicide perspective, to bring us back there for a moment, older men have the highest risk of completed suicide, but they're not always depressed. Uh, We do know that women have a greater risk, two times the risk, 
of depression than men, and that risk is probably associated with our frenemy, estrogen. So when you go into puberty, we have an increase as women in estrogen, and that increases, that's one of the factors, that increases our risk for depression. But even in menopause, when the estrogen is gone, and we look more from an estrogen perspective like men, our risk of depression is higher. And perimenopausal, menopausal women have a higher risk of depression than at other times during their life. Uh, please hold on, uh, Dr. McIntosh. I have more questions for you. My guest is Dr. Diane McIntosh. She's the author of This is Depression, a comprehensive compassionate guide for anyone who wants to understand depression. And Dr. McIntosh is a Vancouver-based psychiatrist and assistant professor at the University of British Columbia. Now, there are major economic impacts that come along with depression, and it's as costly, um, Dr. McIntosh writes, as heart disease to the U.S. economy, and I would imagine the same is probably true in, tech, in Canada. With Dr. Diane McIntosh, the author of This is Depression, a comprehensive, compassionate guide for anyone who wants to understand depression. Dr. McIntosh is based in Vancouver. She's a psychiatrist there and assistant professor at the University of British Columbia. Dr. McIntosh, before I talk about the economic uh, issue, I, I, I want to ask you this question. If depression is um, an inflammatory illness, if there's a physical manifestation that, that creates depression, is there any real value talking to a to a psychiatrist? No insult intended. I mean, is it is it a good idea to talk to a therapist? I think that's a great question, actually. And first of all, it's really important for everyone to understand that the mind and the body are connected. Your brain causes everything. If you're in pain, it's all coming from your brain. So when people have physical manifestations of depression, it's not uncommon for, their, for them to interpret their doctor saying this is related to depression or related to anxiety as saying, are, it's all in your head. Are you trying to tell me it's all in my head? In fact, it is all in your head. Hmm. Everything. Everything's in your, in your head, head, right? Exactly. It, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real, right? But the pain is real. If you have anxiety and it's causing you to have diarrhea, everyone knows the diarrhea is real. You see the evidence of it. That doesn't mean that the cause has to be a stomach flu or an infection. It can be anxiety, and it causes real physical symptoms. Now, I, you bring up a great point because every mental illness is biological, psychological, and social. There are many factors that cause it. There's never just a genetic mental illness, but genetics does play a role in all of our mental illnesses. But medication can help for some people. But if you have certainly a mild, moderate, or even a severe depression, we have a lot of evidence that talk therapy really does have value. It can be in combination with medication or standalone. It has an impact on the way your genes are transcribed. How your, how your body actually functions can be impacted by high-quality psychotherapy. So when you talk about things and you change the way you think and the way you feel, it has an impact on all of your biology as well. So yes, there is a real value to talking to someone who knows what they're doing. A psychologist, a, psycho you know, a PhD psychologist, a really uh, great um, a clinical counselor who has a lot of experience, they bring a lot to the table. Okay, so it's really all between our ears. It's all between our all ears. All between exactly. our ears. 
<laughs> how do you recognize, and I, I hope this isn't a silly question, but how do you recognize if you're depressed? I mean, maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're having a, a few bad days. Uh, how, do you, how do you know that you're, you're, that you're depressed? Or can you do self-diagnosis? Well, again, all of us will say, ah, oh, I'm having a crappy day. You know, I, when does it actually become depression? And in order to have depression, you need to have one of two things. You need to have a depressed mood or what's called anhedonia. Anhedonia means a loss of interest or pleasure in things that you would always enjoy. So you, you love your grandchildren, they come over and you're like, eh, I don't care if I see them. You're always playing tennis, you love your tennis friends, now you don't care if you go anymore. It's important to note though, remember I said you could have depressed mood or anhedonia. There are people who, when they're depressed, don't feel sad. They'll say, I don't feel anything. So just because you don't feel sad doesn't mean you have depression. So you must have one of, or two, uh, depression, depressed mood, or anhedonia. And then there are changes in your sleep, changes in your appetite, loss of in, um, energy that's low, um, feeling hopeless, worthless, cognitive impairment, your brain isn't working, suicidal thoughts. You need to have five of seven of those going on for at least two weeks. And often I've seen people when it's been going on for much longer than that. And your function is impaired. You're not parenting. You're not loving. You're not working in a way that you normally would. You can't do the things you normally do due to depression. Oh. Um, and what about doctors? Uh, are doctors generally in, in agreement when it comes to understanding and diagnosing depression or, or, or not so much? Thank you for asking that question because I think that most people do not realize the power of stigma. Now, I worked in the past uh, for the Canadian Forces as a civilian. I worked with RCMP, with police. We tend to think of those as being highly stigmatizing types of organizations. Those are changing too. What we don't think about is the fact that stigma lives in medicine. Stigma even lives in psychiatry. I, I, I don't think that we're ever going to change the way mental illness is viewed, how it is funded and resourced, until we actually address the fact that even in medicine, there is stigmatization related to mental illness. Until my colleagues recognize that these are inflammatory illnesses, real medical illnesses, and that if you have a mental illness, it increases your risk of having any physical illness, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, inflammatory illnesses, infections, all are increased due to a mental illness. Again, it's all between our ears, right? Absolutely. It's all between our ears. The economic impact is massive. I, I was reading uh, uh, excerpt from, from your book, uh, as costly as heart disease to the United States economy. And so I, I guess the same would be true here. Absolutely. It's, I've been very, very fortunate that in my book launch, which was just a, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, subsequent ones across the country, I've partnered with TELUS. And the reason is because I went to them and said, we need to get people to understand the power of mental illness and the cost. So I want employers across this country to own their company's mental health. They need to understand that mental illness costs our economy $50 billion a year, and that employers, if they don't recognize not just the human cost, which is real, but the financial cost to their company of untreated or undertreated mental illness, they, can, they, they stand to save thousands, even millions of dollars 
in a large corporation by making sure that their their employees are well treated, that they're getting the right treatment. You know, uh, Richard Branson from Virgin, yes, um, he the founder, he said, you take care of your employees and your employees will take care of your business. Mm-hmm. Nothing was ever truer than making sure that we, we that if you have a plan for your employees, that it's a good plan, it's the right plan, and it adra- addresses mental illness. You've made me think of something that I read a long, long time ago, and then I've seen it repeated from time to time, or, or variations of the theme, but what I read initially was that 70% of employees would prefer a compliment from their boss over a raise. Now, I'm not talking about tripling your salary, because we know where the preference would be, but if you know, if it's a modest raise or you get a compliment from the boss, 70% of employees would take the compliment. Does that sound like it could be true to you? Because if it does, if it is, it's, it's, it says a whole lot, doesn't it? It really does. And, you know, even more powerful than, than that statement, I don't know if you've heard of the Endelman Trust Barometer. There's a huge PR firm in the U.S. And every year they look at who do, who do people trust? And not surprisingly, they don't trust government anymore. They don't even trust their religious institutions like we once did. Mm-hmm. You know who they trust more than anything? No. Anyone? No. Their employers. They trust their employers. And they trust them to take care of them and to do good, to, to, do, to be socially responsible. So to me with my frustration with my colleagues not getting it and the underfunding and the poor funding. And Dr. McIntosh, I'm sorry. I haven't been watching the clock. We have 10 seconds left. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I, I think we need to make sure employers recognize what they stand to lose by not ide- identifying mental illness and supporting their, their employees. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Dr. Diane McIntosh, the author of This is Depression, a Comprehensive, Compassionate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Understand depression. Thanks again, Dr. McIntosh. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.